Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you all very much. Sometimes I get lost in the worship. It's so good. And I was like, songs, oh, I got to go preach. Got to go work. Okay, so uh, we're having two little, I get to pick what I want sermons in between our... um, Um, in between our two series. And so today I wanted to talk about the sanitized Bible um, and the danger that that presents to us. So uh, Gwen said it, right, that we are stinky. Uh, I don't know if there's a better term. Uh, I was using the word messy all week, but and we'll use it today. But we are stinky. And our, our, our scripture that I picked tells us that we're stinky. Uh, It comes out of Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. Listen for the word of the Lord. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that the Jews and the Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one that is righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. Their their throats are open graves. Their tongues are, uh, they practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious to our sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. So that last bit, I think I added on. I don't know if we had that up there. But it is just a reminder, right, that no one is going to become righteous by being good enough, by being righteous enough, faithful enough. I mean, that's what the law tells us. It identifies the sin in our lives, in the world, and then it, then by setting that bar, tells us that we can't live by the law to be good enough to be in covenant with a righteous and holy God. And then our scripture goes on to tell us that no one sees God, no one's worth it. It really lays the point down. And if you get one message out of all of that uh, very aggressive language about how bad we are, it, we're stinky, right? We are stinky. And the Bible is messy. It is very messy. And it seems like we... <laughs> Uh, not consciously, we, we sanitize a lot of Scripture. And I can, I can kind of speak to that because when I was young, I did not uh, really, I grew up in the church consistently. I wouldn't say I was a Christian. 
so I, I, but I was around it enough to have ideas about the great people of the Bible. Right, the great people, Moses and David, Abraham, all of these great people, John, uh, Peter. And so you get this idea of these noble saints. But that's not what Scripture is. See, we have a tendency to kind of change and, and sanitize the bi- bits of the Bible that we're not comfortable with. The things that make us uncomfortable, things that um, we don't really necessarily want to hear or necessarily want to read. So we tend to have subconsciously kind of sanitize Scripture. Um, and the tr- when we do that, the, the truth becomes cloudy about what is good and evil. Uh, it becomes, self becomes primary in Scripture, going back to our proof texting. And then we realize that um, we have become less familiar with who God is and the ways of God. In other words, it creates a distance between us and God. But I don't, and when we begin to go down that path, we appear the charges that we get from the world. We become, we hear the church is judgmental. We hear the church is hypocritical. And all of that can be true. But it is only true if we begin to present a sanitized version of Scripture. Because what happens is this process, if we begin to sanitize the Bible, then we begin to sanitize our lives. And then we begin to be a sanitized church. And then we have a sanitized message that doesn't relate or isn't relevant to anyone. Are you all confused yet? No? So if we look at it closer... The Bible is about messed up people. I remember when I was a young Christian and coming out of being a non-Christian growing up and having these idealized images of people in the Bible that was presented with what little Christianity I had. And I thought, all oh, these people were, were, were just so righteous and saintly. You know, I'd think about the old pictures of flowing hair and strong jaw and standing up to the wind and just these perfect people. And so I was a little confused because I had this thirst when I first became a Christian to read the scripture. When we moved out to West Texas, I just read the Bible. I was so thirsty for it because I'm kind of a right brain person, kind of philosophy, psychology, a little theology. So it just kind of fascinated me, uh, the human nature part of it. Uh, My undergrad was uh, psychology. Um, so it fascinated me. So I was a little confused when I got to David. And I began to read and read and read. I was like, and finally I was like, this dude broke every commandment there was. All the little ones and the big ones. And I was very confused. Because being on the peripheral, all I had was the filtered, sanitized David. 
that killed the giants, was the greatest king, and all of this stuff that was presented to me. I had the sanitized version, and so that confused me until I began to read some more and read some more. And then finally, I don't know what the progression was or how long it happened between it, but I remember having that first revelation that he broke every commandment there was. And then another revelation down the road when I read Psalm 51 and understood that was David's response to being called out by Nathan the prophet to the horrible things he had done. And it began to register with me. Not just who David was, but who God was. Ultimately, who the gospel, what the gospel was. Because Psalms 51, he just pours out his heart. I have sinned against you and you alone, Lord. I am not worthy. And he just went on and poured out his heart. And he didn't have to. He was the king. He could have had him put in jail beheaded. He could have done anything, but he poured out his heart in repentance for his actions. And then it clicked. Oh, he wasn't righteous because because of what he has done or not done. He was righteous because he had a repentant heart. And ultimately, you form that to the gospel when what, what do we do to receive the righteousness of Christ? We must repent and believe. Repent and believe. And then we receive the grace and the mercy. All that Christ has done for us, nothing that we have done for ourselves, but all that Christ has done for us. Which, another sermon. But, so you get the point. I was missing something because the Bible in not intentional and subconscious ways in my relationship to it had been sanitized because of a presentation. Today, what's, what's popular? We talk about virtue signaling on social media, right? Do you ever, you have those days where you wake up and the kids have bed head, there's eggs on the floor, there's cereals on the floor, there's um, uh, just you screaming at each other, and everything's just a mess, you're a mess. And you're like, okay, let's post this on Facebook. Do you ever do those pictures? No. You want to put on the best pictures, right? I just put on uh, a, a picture, you know, you get those memories pop up. Jake's wedding of a year ago popped up. And it was beautiful picture. I said, ooh, I got to post that one, Right? It doesn't show you all the chaos that goes on in our house when we're all around and the kids are running around and screaming and they're going, who's crying? Is that one of mine or you one of yours? It's just, we don't always, when we're all mad and upside down, say, all right, let's take a picture. Because we want to sanitize that a little bit, right? We want to filter that. We want to put our best foot forward. And that's okay. But the problem is, that's not real. And if we begin to preach a sanitized version of the Bible, things that we don't want to deal with or hear are like our families, right? We, we think they make us look bad. Right? If we did a little synopsis of Scripture, we, we would leave out a lot of parts, wouldn't we? 
We talk about uh, some of the glorious days. We just talked about the transfiguration and Jesus healing the blind and feeding the 5,000. Moses on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. We don't talk about when he came down, they were having a heathen party worshiping idols, right? In this book I read recently, it's called uh, Night Driving, uh, Notes of a Professional of a Prodigal Soul by Chad Bird. It talks of a guy that has fallen kind of from his biblical vocation, but in doing that, he found the real God and the real Jesus. And he talks about... Um, sanitized versions of Scripture. Well, he doesn't say that word, but he talks about the Bible and it being messy and the people being stinky. Well, he didn't say that. That's Gwendolyn gets credit for that one. But he goes, here's, here's some of the headlines that we should be hearing about in Scripture. Brother murders brother in a fit of jealous rage. Spiritual leader discovered drunk and naked at his home. Husband's, husband's lies place wife in danger of sexual assault. Militants kidnap family during raid. Wife left husband's father, uh, or wife lets husband's father a ch- father a child with the maid. A gang of men attempt to rape a man's guest. Two daughters impregnated by a Im- uh, drunk father. A twin brother deceives blind father and steals absent son's brother's blessing. Um, man in polygamous household faces constant family strife. Mass slaughter perpetrated by brothers to avenge a rape. Eldest son sleeps with his father's lover. Jealous brothers sell younger brother into slavery. You recognize those stories in the Bible? Right? That's, that's just a few of them. It's, that's a mess. And that's stinky. And when people come in from the outside, we don't want to air our dirty laundry. So we talk about the rosy stuff and the good that David did and this and that. And like I said, the problem with that is how that works down the line. Because if we sanitize scripture, we miss the whole point. Going back to me as an example, I missed the whole point because I didn't understand what the Bible was about. I didn't think it was about, from the outside looking in, knowing just a little, I didn't think it was about messy, stinky people that were in trouble in their current condition. That's not what I thought it was about. I thought it was about good people doing good things. And doing God-sized things. And that's part of it. But we miss the whole picture if we don't start that this is about messed up people creating messed up situations in a messed up world. Right? That's where it starts. And if we don't start there, this this is the big issue I have with it. If we don't start there, The gospel's watered down. And it becomes about good people doing good things and occasionally making mistakes. Well, that doesn't sound like a serious matter. That just sounds like a nice little message. You know, if you're at a pool and you slip and trip on a towel, 
and someone stables you, you're like, oh, thanks, and you go on. If you trip on that tile, fall in the pool, hit your head and are drowning, and someone pulls you out, gives you CPR and saves your life, you're going to be grateful. It's going to mean a whole different thing. And that's what I'm trying to get at. When we sanitize scripture, then the message of the gospel becomes a polite, feel-good message. It doesn't it loses its power that you are condemned, just like 316. I have a bunch of examples, but I'll just, 316. So God, so God so loved the world that he gave of his only begotten son that those who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is so sweet and nice and awesome. We should put that at all the sporting events, right? <laughs> What's it say next? He didn't come in to condemn the world. That's still pretty nice. Because why? It's condemned already. We're, we're in a state of condemnation. Where we live in a fallen world. That's what scripture says. And Jesus comes and pulls us out of a mess that we can't get ourselves out of. That's the power of the gospel. And that's why we have to be careful that we don't sanitize Scripture. Because if we begin to sanitize Scripture, we're going to sanitize our church. You don't want to, just like virtue signaling, you don't want to come in here and have just like a tornado that left the house. You got 10 minutes to get stuff together before you walk in that door. Or you think you do. And if we sanitize scripture, then we think we got to sanitize ourselves and we become a sanitized church and we lose the power of the gospel. All of you have stuff going on in your lives. All of you have weaknesses. All of you have quirks. All of you have sins. All of you have struggles. But we don't think we do. Or No, we think we do. We don't think they do. So we got to act like we don't. And who's that going to relate to. We've just robbed the gospel of its power. The power is we are messed up people, create messed up situations in a messed up world, and Jesus Christ saves it. And so the world needs to know that's where we start from. I'm willing to say and tell people where I hurt, where I fear, where I, what my testimony is, where, what I've done, where I've failed. And that's the kind of church we have to be. So if we sanitize Scripture, then the pressure's on to sanitize ourselves because we got to be like those good people in Scripture. And we got to, if we're sanitizing ourselves, then we're going to sanitize ourselves before each other. And so then we got to be like all those good church people. You know what? This is bonus. I didn't even have this in there. I didn't grow up in the church, and so I had idealized people of the Bible. I have idealized people of church. So I, I grew up, I was a pretty rowdy guy, divorced mom, living in Chicago, a lot of stuff to do. So I mean, I was very worldly. And then when I became a Christian, 
I grew in the faith and told you, shared that revelation, and then ultimately led to a call to the pastorate. And I thought, still, I'm not naive in the ways of the world. I was naive in the things of church. And my thought was, I'm going to go to this church, and I'm going to go to seminary, get my master's, and I'm going to catch up to all these good church people. And we're just going to have a little slice of heaven on earth. Oh, oh my gosh, did my first church give me a lesson. How I say this story when I talk about it is like, you know what I learned? Church people are mean. Oh my gosh, I had this group. I was just trying to do my best, hang on. And they were after me. They were mean because I wanted to. Do things some different ways. I didn't know you're not supposed to change anything. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know just one or two people outside the pastor were supposed to run the church. I thought it, I had all these ideals. But you know what? It's not church people are mean. They're just church people. My dad, he, I just went up to see my uncle who's um, failing in health. And I tried to get up there because I, he doesn't have any kids, and I'm uh, me and my brother and his other, his nephews and nieces are all that he has left, and he's not doing well. But I remember my dad; he died of cancer in 2000, and a, a year before that, I sent him on a walk, and it was really God's timing. And he came back from the walk; he got baptized, and you know, unbeknownst to us at that time, he was going to die in a year. And so, it's, it's, I mean, it's really a story of grace. But he called me one day, and I just started being a pastor. About the time I was getting this revelation that church people are mean, he, uh, he called me and said, Jim, I got the walk, I got this, but some of these people at church are really bugging me. I said, I know, Dad, I know. I said, but it's not church people. Church people are just people. They got their failings, their sinfulness. I said, we don't go to church for the people. We go to church for Christ. And Christ changes us. And when we begin to change, then others around us begin to change. So we're just people. I'm going to say what might be a scandalous thought. One of the things I've learned over my time And it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It has helped me become a better pastor, a better minister, because it's in reality. Church is not holy. Church is not holy. God is holy. Christ is holy. When we come here, we're not holy rollers. We're not any more closer. We are, but to holiness. We're not holy. We're just a group of sinners that are saved by grace. We come here to be in the presence of holiness. So let's not get that mixed up. I'm not holy. Put a lot of pressure on pastors. So they say, well, you're a little closer than I am. Why don't you say a prayer? No, I'm not. We got the same mediator. So let's not sanitize the Bible. 
Because when we sanitize the Bible, we get out of the truth. And if we're not walking in the truth, God can't help us. And we can't be a witness to other people. We're messed up people in a messed up world, creating messed up situations. And church is not holy, but we come to be in the presence of holiness. In the presence of holiness, the Spirit of God is greater when there are other believers gathered together, when Scripture is being read, when worship is taking place. We come here to get a glimpse and experience holiness. But we must start in the truth. And we must not try so hard to sanitize the Scripture or sanitize our rough edges. Because if we sanitize all of that stuff, the gospel loses its power. And that's the only power we got. The power of God, the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your holiness and that, you, that your love and your grace covers a multitude of our sins. Lord, help us always start from a point of truth, truth about the world, truth about ourselves, that we don't live into becoming hypocrites, where we try to act like we don't have issues, like we don't have problems, like we're holy, like we're good, when your scripture tells us only one is good and only God is holy. So Lord, help us to live in the truth that we can live into the full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.